uh, some of the, oh, there we go, uh, that's okay, and some of the students as well. Um, they were probably thinking that we're, they were done with uh, Mr. Heisinger, but I'm uh, following you now to church because we actually had our last day of school on Friday. So uh, Huron Christian School um, families have already started their summer holiday. So um, boys and girls, if you're, if you're trying to convince your parents to send uh, you to Huron Christian School, that, that's one of my plugs, right? Uh, uh, but I think that's because we, uh, we work them a little extra hard through the year so that we can get done uh, a week early. Right, students? Yeah, okay. Saw some nods there. That's great. All right, I'm just going to try to balance all my things here. So uh, as, a, as a former uh, teacher and uh, now principal, I do, wanna, I do have to start with a, with a quiz. Um, and we'll probably end with a quiz, too, so you have to make sure that, that you listen uh, carefully. And I think if you do well on the quiz, it sounds like there's ice cream and maybe some cake. Uh, outside as well. So you haven't quite graduated yet uh, to ice cream and cake, so you have to listen. But I think the questions are going to be uh, fairly easy. First of all, I'm going to ask if there's anyone here that has just finished kindergarten. Did anyone just finish kindergarten? Maybe you could put up your hand. No? <laughs> okay, there's a few there. Excellent. Congratulations. Any that just finished grade 8, grade 8 graduation? All right, a few in the back corner there. Good. So far, you're doing well on the quiz. Uh, anyone graduate uh, from grade 12, so finishing high school? They're a little shyer. Don't put their... Okay, yeah, excellent. You can be proud of that. Uh, anyone here that has just finished their um, um, university or, or college uh, degree or program? Any college or university graduates? Okay. Uh, has anyone else graduated uh, from anything in their life? You can put up your hand from grade school. <laughs> Hopefully that's everyone. Okay, good. Well, um, so that's, that's the first test. Uh, that's the first quiz. Uh, pretty, pretty easy, I think. Um, one of the things we'll talk about a little bit later today is that uh, not all children uh, have a chance to participate uh, in education. So I'll talk about that a little bit when I share a bit about our uh, experience uh, in Indonesia. Um, my name is Michael Heisinger. I, as uh, Jake has uh, introduced, I am principal at Huron Christian School, uh, and I've worked in Christian schools across uh, southern Ontario for 25 years or more. I didn't quite do the math, but I think it was about 25 years. Um, first in uh, Brantford uh, Christian School, uh, also did uh, some work in um, Oakville uh, King's Christian Collegiate, uh, then in Barrie at Timothy Christian School. Uh, then we went to uh, Indonesia for nine years where we worked at an uh, international Christian school. Uh, my wife is also a teacher. Uh, and uh, now we're here at Huron uh, Christian School in, in Huron County. So uh, Christian education has been an important part of my life. It's really been central in my life. Uh, I also went to Christian elementary school, Christian high school, uh, then went to University of Western Ontario for a number of years and then to um, Calvin College uh, Christian uh, Secondary uh, Institution. So Christian education has been uh, really important uh, to me. Um, so that's just a little bit about uh, my background. Um, my, my hope uh, today is that we can come to uh, an understanding of what God has called you to do uh, in your life. So particularly for our graduates, as you're entering uh, a new uh, phase of your life, but all of us every day, I think we need to reflect on what is God calling us to do? What is he calling us to be? 
And um, I think that the, the answer uh, does uh, come up in Second Peter uh, 1. Uh, so if you have your, your Bibles or your phones and you want to keep that in front of you, I, I encourage you to do that because I'll uh, refer uh, back to that. But what is, God, what is God's calling in our lives? Um, what does God desire of us? Uh, what does he want from you, graduates and parents and families? Uh, and as I said, particularly for graduates as we're beginning our a new chapter. Now, the Apostle Paul, or Peter uh, doesn't tell us specifically whether we should be an electrician or an astronaut or uh, an engineer or a painter. You're not going to see that in that passage. Uh, he doesn't tell us what courses we should take when we're thinking about high school or, or, uh, or college. Uh, he doesn't tell us what sports we should be playing. Um, but he does tell us how we should live. And specifically, he tells us that we need to live and be more like Jesus. So uh, in Peter, uh, 2 Peter 1, 5, and 6, we see the apostle listing some qualities that we need to add to our lives in order to partake in the divine nature of God. And he says, uh, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. So there's a specific list there that uh, Peter wants us to focus on uh, as we reflect on how are we called to be more like Jesus. So when we begin our new life in Jesus, we, we have that faith. That's our starting point. And... Um, to that faith, we add in, in steps, it looks like it's in sequence, uh, a number of attributes. Um, so virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, uh, brotherly kindness, and love. Um, and he says we have to give all diligence. These are things that we need to work at. Uh, they're not things that necessarily come um, automatically when we've given our lives uh, to Jesus. But we start with our faith. Uh, the faith that God has given to us. So we need to work hard to gain all of those different attributes. Uh, the pinnacle being the last one, the last attribute is love. Um, so as we're thinking about, well, what am, how am I supposed to live my life? The answer is live your life in a way that you can be more like Jesus. And specifically um, showing others the love that he has showed to us. Um, each of these qualities are are realized only when we uh, allow God to work in us. So these are not things that we can even gain on our own, even though we're called to work with all diligence towards them. These are attributes that are given to us uh, by God. So we don't, again, we don't obtain our salvation through these works. Because at the beginning of the, uh, of the passage, uh, in um, verse 3 and 4, um, in verse 3 specifically, he says, his, by his divine power, he has given us everything we need for a godly life. So we already have received salvation. We've already received that gift. But working for these attributes um, is important as well. So they don't add to our salvation. We've already been uh, saved. We already have salvation as a gift. Um, but in verse 3 and 4, we can see that the writer uh, Peter 
says that um, we, we, we have these things, but we want to add uh, to them. So it's a little bit of a, maybe a paradox. Um, so those that know God through Jesus already have everything to complete their calling. So if we're looking at, as graduates, what are we called to do? We're called to be more like Jesus. That is our calling. Um, but we do need to grow, and we need to work and mature in our faith. This, too, is our calling. So we've been saved by grace, um, but we're also called to add these things. If we have these Christ-like qualities and continue to grow in them, we are leading the life that God has called us to. So specifically, we're being effective and productive in the knowledge of Jesus we have been given. If we fall short in these qualities, there's also a bit of a warning there. Um, we will still remain God's children through faith in Christ. That's a guarantee. That's what Peter says at the beginning of the, the passage. Um, so our, again, our salvation is not bought or, or kept by our own efforts. However, if we, we fail to take on these traits, uh, we stunt or limit our knowledge of Jesus. And we probably can't live fully the way that he wants us to. Um, so if we don't grow in these areas, there are consequences. If you look at verse 8 and 9, it says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge. So on the flip side, if you, if you don't have those qualities, you would be uh, ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of Lord Jesus Christ. Um, whoever doesn't have them will be nearsighted and blind. So we risk becoming ineffective and unproductive servants as we try to live out our lives and we try to live out our calling. Uh, we become nearsighted if we don't have these qualities. Uh, and it can seem like um, we're acting as unbelievers who are spiritually blind. We actually forget possibly that we've been saved and cleansed from our sins, uh, the Apostle Peter writes, when we fail to live up to the life that God has called us to live. Um, sometimes we then forget that we've been made new and that we've been given new life. We've forgotten who we are in Christ. So the call then is to uh, be diligent, to work at these things. Um, and as we see these things in our lives, we know that our lives are becoming more uh, like Jesus, which is our calling. And it shows that we are conformed to the image of his son. So graduates, we can be sure of what God has called us to do. We're called to be more like Jesus. We're called to grow in virtue, which is goodness, in knowledge and self-control, in perseverance, in godliness, kindness, and then finally in love. And what's our reward? Well, if we look at verses 10 and 11... It says, for if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So continual growth and progress in the Christian life is a sure way to keep from stumbling. Furthermore, we participate in the promise of God's salvation. What a wonderful reward, what an amazing gift, and this gift is for me, and this gift is for you. So, I'm going to ask a couple more questions, and this will be, I guess, final test. 
So how do we grow in these qualities? How do we grow to be more like Jesus? What are things that we can do in our lives to gain these attributes? Daily Bible reading. There's an ice cream. Yes, definitely, daily Bible reading. Reading scriptures. Not, oh, sorry? Okay, talk and listen to, the, to God. Yep. Prayer? Yes, come to God in prayer. Walk by faith? I think someone said. Does anyone memorize a lot of scripture this year? There should be some here on Christian school students and others. Okay, by the time uh, graduates uh, leave uh, in grade eight, they've uh, memorized, I think it was 3,000 words of scripture. Uh, a little bit every year, right, students? You add a little bit every year, uh, and they need to recite that. Um, so me- um, reading God's word, but knowing God's word, right? Memorizing it, understanding it, having it in your, in your heart as a way to grow in those areas as well. Anything else? Okay. No, not just knowing, but doing, living out your faith, finding ways that you can show brotherly love, right? Uh, kindness. And do we do this all alone, or do we do it with others? We do it with others, right, in a community. A community of believers in your youth group, uh, at, your, uh, at home with your family, uh, with a praise team. Uh, those are ways that you can build uh, that community and, um, and grow in love as well. So uh, growing to be more like Jesus, that's our call. Um, so in a way, whether you are um, graduating from grade 1 or grade 12 or into post-secondary or working, uh, this is our, our calling. This is what we are called to do. Um, so whether you are thinking of being an engineer or an astronaut or a uh, heavy engineer, uh, engine mechanic or whatever it is, um, these are the qualities that God wants us to do those, those jobs, uh, the attributes that he has listed to us, knowing that our salvation uh, is secure. And do these things with diligence, the Apostle Peter reminds us. We need to work at it. Um, and we don't do it alone. Uh, we, don't, we do it together. So um, be a lifelong learner. Um, again, if you're graduating, you might just be graduating into another level of school. Uh, so your, your, um, uh, your official learning, your schooling will continue, but all of us are called to grow uh, and to be more like Jesus. Uh, this is our, our task. This is our calling. Um, and we're called to do that at home, at school, uh, in your job, uh, in Huron County, or beyond. So for our family, um, we uh, answered the call in a sense to uh, travel um, to the other side of the world, uh, to Indonesia, um, which was uh, a, uh, something that we had to um, grow, in, and it was a challenge definitely for our family, Uh, when we left and settled there uh, nine years ago, or maybe ten years ago, uh, settling on the other side of the world. So I'd like to share a little bit about our story, 
um, and our, make sure I'm on the right one here. All right. Okay. Oh, and I can look over there too. Yep. Okay. Here we go. So, um, yeah, about nine years, uh, ten years ago, we uh, traveled to the other side of the uh, world, uh, and we worked at a, a Christian school uh, in Indonesia. And I want to share a little bit about uh, our story uh, and some of the work that we were able to do. Uh, some of you probably are familiar with uh, Indonesia and uh, where it is, uh, but it is basically between um, Thailand uh, and Malaysia and um, Australia, so way out in the, uh, the Pacific. Uh, now, we, um, we had some knowledge of what we were getting into because we had some friends that had been living there for a number of years, so it wasn't a, a total a shock when we got there. Uh, I, I know that when we told some people that we were heading to Indonesia, they had some questions about, you know, well, where are you going to be living? What is your, are you going to be in the jungle? Uh, are you going to have running water? Uh, what, what is your life going to be like? Uh, and our life actually was pretty um, comfortable. Uh, we did live in a uh, community just outside of Jakarta. Uh, Jakarta has a population, the wider city, of about 30 million people. So it's kind of taking most of Canada and dropping it into uh, one city. So it was basically a huge city, lots of people, uh, but we lived in, uh, in a, a fairly comfortable uh, neighborhood not far from our school um, where we uh, enjoyed the, the community uh, of the school. And we worked at a place called Sekola Plita Harapan, uh, which is a, uh, means School of Light and Hope. Uh, it's a Christian international school. It's one of the, it was one of the first um, uh, independent Christian schools in Indonesia, and it was one of the first to run uh, the International Baccalaureate uh, Program, which is kind of recognized around the world. But it, um, So it, in many ways, it was a, a leading institution, and it was a beautiful uh, school, a beautiful facility. Uh, that's one of our uh, smaller uh, swimming pools that we actually had uh, on the campus. Um, but it was a beautiful place to work uh, and a, a wonderful community to be a part of. Um, most of the, the students were uh, Indonesian citizens. There were uh, others that were from different parts of the world. Um, and we taught in English. Uh, so this is a, a campus where uh, instruction was given in English. And the organization was set up. Uh, their mission and their goal was to build 1,000 Christian schools across uh, Indonesia. Uh, which is a pretty um, bold um, program. Um, and they, uh, the, what they wanted to do was uh, have bigger campuses like this, uh, and the money would uh, trickle down to some of the um, poorer rural communities so that Christian education would be uh, accessible to uh, anyone in Indonesia that uh, wanted to, uh, A, get an education, and then specifically a Christian education. Uh, so there were basically three levels of schools. The, 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 um, the I want to say top level, but that's not really the right word. Uh, but the top level was the, the international schools, uh, like the one that we worked at, uh, with English curriculum. Uh, then there was the national schools um, uh, that all used the uh, national curriculum. And there was still a fee for parents to send to that school. And then the, uh, the more rural schools was 
basically free uh, education, free Christian education uh, that was subsidized by all the other schools. So it was a wonderful uh, program and, and great to be a part of. Now, Indonesia itself uh, is a, a country uh, of uh, contrast. So um, there is five official religions that are uh, protected under the Constitution. So uh, Protestant uh, Christianity, Catholic Christianity, uh, Buddhism, uh, uh, Muslim, and Hindu were the five. And I think maybe they've added Confucianism as well. Uh, but they are all protected by the Constitution. Uh, so we could have churches, we could have Christian schools, but the country is majority uh, Muslim. So about, I think, 80 to 90% of the country uh, is actually Muslim. But this is one of the big churches in Jakarta. Uh, and right across from that church, actually, uh, is the biggest mosque in uh, Southeast uh, Asia. Um, so they can hold about 120,000 people uh, in this mosque. Um, and uh, it was actually designed by a, a Christian architect uh, back in the, in the 60s, and then it was built in the 70s. Um, but I, I like that symbol of this huge cathedral, which I showed you before, and the mosque, basically in the same park, um, because there is the sense in Indonesia that they do want unity among diversity. That's actually the, the kind of the official slogan of the country. Um, but it doesn't, of course, always work that way. There are clashes, there are um, issues between uh, different religions. Um, the founders of our school were very conscious of the, the blessing that they could, as a Christian organization, build and operate uh, Christian schools. And they would often say, we don't know how long we're going to be able to do this. Um, so they never took for granted the fact that uh, they... Uh, we're blessed to be able to operate as a Christian organization in a predominantly Muslim uh, country. Um, moving into Indonesia was uh, some adjustments. Uh, some of it, of course, was uh, the food that we ate. Uh, this is us at one of the, our favorite uh, restaurants uh, eating basically chicken noodle soup for breakfast, uh, if you want to call it that. That was kind of a new thing. Uh, and they uh, made the noodles in the restaurant upstairs uh, in a room, and they stored it in a drawer. You can see the noodles there. Uh, just uh, stored kind of what we would think randomly in a, in a dresser drawer. Uh, and that's where we, we got our noodles from uh, every morning. Well, not every morning. Uh, we try to go there once in a while on the weekend uh, to enjoy uh, good food. Um, this is Mrs. Heisinger, uh, both pictures. One there, she's dressed up as an uh, independence uh, fighter. Uh, Indonesia became independent uh, from the Dutch in about 1945, so just after World War II. So it's relatively a young uh, country, uh, even though it has existed for you know, over a thousand years, the, the country itself. Um, being someone of Dutch descent, uh, it was always interesting on Independence Day because uh, the Dutch, of course, were the, the enemies. So my family was born, uh, my parents were born in Holland. Uh, and Indonesia was a colony of Holland uh, for about 300 years. Uh, and they finally gained their independence in 1945. So it was fun dressing up as Indonesian uh, independence fighters uh, who fought against the Dutch, uh, being from Dutch background herself. In the other picture, uh, there's Mrs. Heisinger again, and she's sitting in the chair of the governor of uh, Jakarta. Um, so his name was Ahok. Uh, most Indonesians go by one name. Um, and he, he was actually a parent of uh, some of the students at our school. 
And the governor of Jakarta was often a stepping point into the president of Indonesia. Uh, so he was on track to become uh, president of the country, um, which was uh, a, a novel and amazing thing because he was a double minority. He was Chinese, which is a minority in Indonesia, and he was a Christian. So for a Chinese Christian to be governor of the biggest city in Indonesia and then potentially moving to be a governor uh, was very, very exciting. And it, it seemed like there was a, a sense of, of change. Uh, he was also very anti-corruption, uh, which is a, a big problem in Indonesia. Um, we got our driver's license. Unfortunately, it's almost impossible to not in some way participate uh, in some of that corruption. Uh, and we could only really get our driver's license by paying uh, some money. Uh, and that was just a little step in, in the corruption uh, cycle that happens in Indonesia. But unfortunately, he was, um, he was arrested for blasphemy, uh, for speaking against the uh, Quran, uh, and he was put in jail for, for two years. Uh, and then that was basically the end of his uh, political career. Uh, so still tension there. Uh, it was very exciting to see and, and have that hope of uh, someone moving forward. And that tension in Indonesia is, is evident uh, in many parts of the country. Uh, uh, this picture here uh, has the Hard Rock Cafe uh, in the front, and then in the, in the background uh, there's a mosque. Uh, so it's just a, kind of a, a, some of that tension uh, that you can see. The country wants to be modern, uh, but they want to hold on to some of their uh, uh, traditions as well. Uh, it's also a very um, uh, poor country, so many people live on very little a day, uh, so we have uh, lots of traffic. Uh, but in some of the big shopping malls, you could go there and you could uh, buy uh, McLaren uh, sports cars, which were uh, about $750,000 U.S., so I haven't even been to too many shopping malls in Canada where you can you know, buy a, a super uh, sports car. So there's definitely um, a, a contrast. One thing that we loved about Indonesia was the natural beauty, uh, things that we could find in our own uh, backyard, like beautiful butterflies, uh, beautiful beaches. Uh, we would try to um, get to some of the, at least I would try, and I would take my family with us to some of the remotest uh, parts of Indonesia. This was a small island. Uh, we didn't actually stay in that little uh, place, but there were, I think, only about 30 people that lived on the island, and the uh, coconut uh, industry, growing coconuts, <laughs> was uh, the industry on the island. Um, this was also one of the islands that was affected by the uh, 2004 uh, tsunami um, in the... Um, in the Nias region off the coast of Sumatra. And this island, so uh, Indonesia is on the ring of fire, uh, so there's always active volcanoes uh, and earthquakes. Uh, we felt a few when we were at school. But this island actually tilted about four meters, uh, and all of that rock there is a coral reef that was exposed when the island tilted, and that caused the tsunami that went all the way across the uh, Pacific into India, and about a quarter of a million people were killed in uh, Sumatra in that uh, Boxing Day uh, tsunami. So it's a, a land of natural beauty, again a contrast, but also a land of uh, some pretty uh, in interesting natural events, uh, like volcanoes. Uh, this was one of the volcanoes that we uh, visited and were able to uh, take some pictures of. Uh, I know some of you will uh, like the Komodo dragons. Uh, again, natural beauty uh, that really only exists on a few islands within Indonesia. Um, so they grow to about seven or eight feet long. 
uh, these um, massive uh, dragons. Uh, some of our, our journeys, uh, again, this was uh, in Borneo, uh, where we could uh, see uh, in, the, in the wild, so this is not in a zoo, uh, orangutans that really exist only in parts of Indonesia and um, uh, Malaysia as well. And uh, lots of nice vacations, which was wonderful. We also uh, made a point of um, working in some of the schools that were spread across Indonesia. So uh, we had the privilege of being able to head to Papua, uh, so the, the Indonesian side of uh, Papua New Guinea. Um, so we uh, spent some time there, uh, both in vacation, but also working in some of the schools. So uh, most of the work we did was in Jayapura, which is right on the border between Papua New Guinea uh, and the Indonesian side of Papua. And the first time uh, we went there, that's an armored car just outside the airport, um, there is an independence movement in Papua. Uh, so it's there, Canada actually has travel advisories, don't go to Papua. Uh, but we went anyways. Uh, but the day that we were visiting, actually the president of Indonesia was there as well. So security was, was very uh, tight. Um, and we uh, stayed in a, a missionary um, kind of a a drop-in center where missionaries uh, were coming from the field uh, and meeting with their sponsors uh, and it was really neat to hear the stories of people coming out of Papua, the deepest parts of Papua, and sharing some of their stories of the mission work that they were doing. Uh, and we were working in uh, one of the local schools uh, and meeting with some of the parents and talking about what it's like to be uh, a, a Christian parent uh, in, a, in a challenging world. And they had lots of questions just like parents uh, here in Huron County would have about how to uh, support their children with lots of pressure coming from, from media and all sorts of things. Uh, this is us in one of the, uh, the schools. Uh, it was a real blessing. We led professional development with a group of teachers. Uh, so uh, here's uh, one of the uh, groups uh, that we were able to work with. And the, um, the organization that we worked with, as I said, was planting Christian schools all across Indonesia. Uh, this was actually a government school that was not running very well. Uh, remember, I said that not all uh, students around the world have access to education. Uh, the same is in Indonesia, even when there are schools there, because sometimes teachers wouldn't show up, um, students wouldn't show up. Um, when it came to the national exam, sometimes teachers would, would give answers to the students, so it would look like the students were learning, uh, but really they didn't. So our organization, the one that we worked with, actually took over this government school and, and brought in a new program, and it was running so well, the they were only going to do it for, I think, a year or two, or maybe it was three years, and the government said at the end, please continue working. You can have the school uh, because of the success that we're seeing. Uh, so that was a real testament to the hard work of Christian teachers uh, in Indonesia. Um, we also had the uh, privilege of going into some of the interior uh, parts of Indonesia, uh, flying with Mission Aviation uh, Fellowship. And for some of those schools, uh, uh, bringing in supplies by plane is really the only way that supplies uh, can get in. So this was our uh, plane that we uh, flew with uh, to a little city called Karubaga, um, which was, um, we, we had an interesting experience there when we landed at the airport. We ended up getting detained by the uh, local police. Um, so uh, there's me and, and Emma is here. 
uh, and we went with one of our other teachers, Mark, uh, and his daughter. The two other men on the other sides are, uh, are, are police. So they brought us to this military, it was really a military outpost because of the independence movement. Uh, they take security uh, quite uh, seriously. Um, so we had to come into this kind of armed camp uh, and they wanted to see our, our papers. What are you doing here? Uh, and we were heading into the interior to lead professional development for Christian school teachers in a small uh, village called Mamit uh, up in the mountains. And we didn't have any papers, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, because this had not happened to our, our organization before that people had been detained. Um, I think they thought maybe we were media uh, because the government is quite uh, controlling of who gets into Papua because of the independence of movement. Uh, so I, I think maybe they thought we were uh, there to report and to give information outside of Papua about what was happening. Uh, eventually they let us in um, because we uh, showed a picture uh, of uh, my family in our school uniform. Uh, so somehow that convinced uh, the gentleman beside me, uh, who's not smiling very much, um, that we were actually uh, you know, teachers going to help uh, other teachers. Um, but there was a risk. We were never afraid. They were, always, they were very uh, professional. Um, they did have heavy machine guns outside, which was interesting. Uh, but they were very uh, professional and uh, agreed to let us go uh, so we could continue our journey. Uh, so we, uh, the, the picture doesn't come out there, obviously, but um, there were not many times uh, in Indonesia where, where I was uh, scared. But on this road trip, um, it was actually a 15-minute airplane ride, uh, but because they were paving the runway, it was traditionally a grass runway in Mamit, um, we had to take a car, or that truck actually, um, through the mountain valley, and it was about a three-hour drive. By plane, it was 15 minutes. Uh, by drive, it was about three hours. And some of the roads were hard, were, they were roads, um, but very uh, slippery, very uh, dangerous. And we all packed in that red truck, uh, so about five or six of us, uh, some sitting in the back, in the box, and then the rest of us in the cab. And that gentleman standing there in the green uh, jacket, he actually sat on top of the truck, uh, which I, we didn't really know why until our return trip, when we started getting stuck on a, a steep incline, uh, about 45 degree, very slippery rocks. And his job, uh, the, the driver didn't have the car in the right gear, so we were kind of stuck and starting to go backwards. His job was to find a big rock and push it behind the tire so that the truck wouldn't slip all the way down uh, the road and then potentially down the mountain. And he had to do that once. <laughs> uh, so that was pretty interesting. Then with the big stone behind the tire, the truck was not sliding and the driver could get it in the right gear and give it enough power and then we could uh, keep going. So that was a little bit uh, scary, but we did make it uh, to Mamit. Um, which was, uh, uh, so these are our teachers uh, from the local Christian school uh, that our organization uh, had, um, wor were working with. And these, uh, many of these teachers were actually graduates from the university because the school system that we b belong to also had a university. Uh, they have a number of campuses around uh, Jakarta. Uh, they have about 15,000 students uh, in a Christian uh, university, which again is, is pretty impressive for a, a country uh, that's predominantly Muslim. Um, they would take uh, these teachers, so these students that wanted to be teachers, and they would give them a scholarship and train them for four years, three or four years to be teachers. And then those teachers would work for the organization in all of these schools that the uh, organization was setting up across Indonesia. 
Um, so these were teacher college uh, graduates, um, and they would um, commit to three or four years of service uh, to pay back the scholarship that the school had offered. Um, so many of them didn't know at their graduation where in Indonesia they were going to be placed. Uh, they would be sitting in a convocation hall like this with envelopes uh, under their chair. And they all had specific seating and at one point they would take the envelope, open it up, and it would tell them what school they were actually going to be working in. Uh, so you could be in Jakarta, which has all the amenities, uh, or you could be in uh, a, a place like Mamit, which is really what we would consider on the edge of uh, civilization. So the school here did not have electricity. So when we um, led our professional development, we met in the, uh, the home of the local missionary uh, who did have uh, some electricity. So we're used to doing professional development with PowerPoint and, uh, and, and laptops, and we were able to do that uh, in the home of uh, the missionary, um, uh, West Dale, uh, who was away at that time. Uh, so while we did professional development, Emma and her friend uh, played with some of the, uh, the children, and I think they played Duck, Duck, Goose uh, for hours and hours, even in the rain, uh, while we led professional development. In that same community, uh, there's a Bible um, college. Uh, so these men were from surrounding tribes uh, and groups, uh, and they would come to this Bible college uh, to learn Scripture so that they could go to their, back to their, uh, their homes and, and teach God's word uh, to the people uh, throughout the area in, around Mamit and, and beyond. So we just happened to be walking through, and then one person asked, can we take a picture? Uh, and then suddenly we were surrounded by, uh, I don't know, 30 or 40 uh, that wanted to meet us, and uh, we wanted to meet them. They were the ones doing the hard uh, work. But what a blessing to see how God's word uh, was being spread uh, through different organizations across Indonesia. Um, missionaries really have been in some of these parts only since the 1950s. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, Christianity is still um, growing, uh, and it's a wonderful uh, thing to see. This was the school that was part of our organization right on the edge of the mountain. You can see the clouds in the background. Uh, and one of the teachers uh, very proudly showing us his classroom uh, and us trying to, to uh, give him some of our, our knowledge and our experience. Um, but very different uh, when you have, uh, you know, um, families that, uh, for, you know, education is something new uh, for many of these families, but they see the value in it, and they will literally walk days uh, to come to school uh, and to live in the, in the community so that their children can uh, get education. Uh, and it was a learning process um, because uh, for families, um, they were used to, um, you know, their kids getting good grades, even if uh, they weren't really learning anything, just to pass the exams. Um, so the teachers here are trying to tell parents, no, your, your children have to learn, they're, they're going to fail, but they will eventually uh, succeed. So it was a whole uh, learning process. And there's, uh, there's at least one story from one teacher that a parent came to a, a parent-teacher interview with a machete uh, because they, they need them in the jungle, they use them for their, their work, but, uh, and they would just place it on the, on the table as they're meeting with the teacher. Uh, and, and the, but the teacher uh, didn't back down and said, this is you know, for the good of, of your child. So not a, not a suggestion here for parents to do. Um, 
But uh, again, just an amazing uh, experience of hospitality that we felt while we were there. Uh, this big fruit is called, they just call it big red fruit. Um, it, it's massive. Uh, and it's prepared as kind of a, a paste. And uh, the uh, custodian of the school invited us into his newly constructed home. Uh, and he prepared some of the red fruit for us uh, that we got to uh, enjoy. And, and he took out his machete and went into the, the jungle and, and cut some, some leaves off that became our, our forks and our, our plates. Uh, and that's how we ate uh, some of this red fruit. So we got to experience some of the wonderful uh, hospitality. This was another school. This is actually uh, the principal in front of his office, and the school uh, took over uh, a small kind of resort with all these little cottages, and each classroom was in a cottage. The organization tries to do and find whatever it can in terms of uh, facilities uh, for school. So he has a satellite dish uh, because that was the way they could communicate with the outside uh, world, um, but that was, uh, yeah, one of the principals that we met. Um, and this is just one of the, the early churches built in the 1950s, again, as Christianity was uh, coming to that part of the world. So we were able to, uh, to work and to serve. Um, we felt that was our, our, our calling uh, to do that, and we, uh, we give thanks uh, to God for uh, what we were able to, to do and um, what we were able to learn and, and take back now uh, as our work continues um, in Christian education here in Huron County. So I'm going to uh, close in prayer. So I invite you to, uh, to pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for uh, our uh, graduates and all those that are moving on to uh, a new uh, chapter. Lord, we ask that you bless them. Lord, we thank you that we have the privilege to uh, read your word. Lord, we pray that we will never take that for granted. We know that there are many people in many parts of the world where uh, simply opening the Bible uh, can uh, lead to prison or, or worse. So, Lord, we give thanks that we can celebrate uh, today uh, here uh, and uh, read your word. We thank you, Father, that you, uh, you call us uh, to be more like you. We thank you, Lord, that we can, uh, as a community, um, support each other, uh, help each other to grow and, and live in ways that bring honor and glory to you. Lord, we pray for uh, education around the world, uh, in particular Christian education. We think of um, parts of the world where uh, children cannot go to school uh, for various reasons. Lord, we uh, have a little uh, window uh, today of education uh, in Indonesia, and we ask, Lord, that you uh, bless those schools that we have seen, the teachers that are working there, uh, that they will continue to bear uh, fruit in the work that they do. Lord, we thank you that we can... Look forward to uh, summer, to a change of, of pace, uh, for a break for some of 